Blog Talk Radio.
Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you thanking you, Father, for everything that you have given us, Lord, for life and godliness. Father, we thank you, Lord, because it is only through you, Lord, Father, that we have what we have and can accomplish what we can accomplish. Father, we bless you just as you have said that we need to store up treasures in heaven, Lord, Father, that they may not perish or rust or corrode, Lord, Father. We thank you, Father, because we know that your righteousness supersedes the righteousness of man. We thank you, Father, because it is only through your Son, Jesus Christ, that we can be totally free, Lord, Father. We thank you for that freedom, Lord, Father. We thank you that you have loved the world, Lord God, that you gave your only begotten Son, Lord, Father. So in Jesus' name, we stand before you, Lord, telling you, Lord God, that we need cleansing. Father, we thank you because we know, Lord, Father, that you have given Christ to us, Lord, Father, our Lord and Savior, Lord, Father, our King and Priest, Lord God, our, our, our Savior, Lord, Father, that, that is forever after the order of Melchizedek. And in us, you have created a nation of kings and priests. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that walks and guides and leads us to all truths. Father, we thank you because it is only through the truth, Lord, Father, that we can be totally free from the bondage and the yoke of sin. Father, we bless you, and we thank you, Lord, right now, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We thank you. And then amen, amen, and amen. I want to thank you uh, for tuning in. To uh, uh, Thursday's Kingdom Awareness Bible Study. Um, this is a good one. It's been it's been on my heart for a couple of weeks. I haven't been on for a couple of um, Sundays and a couple of Thursdays. There's been a lot going on in my life, um, a lot going on around me. My my grandmother passed, and I thank you for your prayers. Also, I ask you to pray for Keisha Miller. Her mother passed recently. Um, there's a lot of things going on in people's lives. I ask that you just lift them up in prayer. Earl Wynn and, and, and guys like that um, who truly love God. But, you know, there is something that we've been ministering about for a long time. And it's, it's, it's kind of we thought it was going to be a series, but the whole thing is a series because after you finish connecting the dots and, and you continue to search and look and, and, and search out your scriptures and study to show yourself approved, you realize that every word in the Bible is referencing to the kingdom of God and the uh, Jesus, coming of Jesus Christ. The Old Testament uh, revealed or concealed Jesus Christ, but it was even Jesus Christ was that, that, that hidden mystery that was standing right before Pilate and Herod and all these people that was condemning him. And Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within you. See, they didn't even understand that the kingdom of God was standing right in front of them. They didn't see the freedom that they had right in front of them. So what they did was they, they continued to be a, 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 a fool or they, they continued to run astray and run amok based off the things of their own intentions. You know, I read some scriptures um, throughout the day, starting with early this morning, and what I came across was just simply amazing. You know, it started with Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter six, uh, 5 and 6 says, And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. 
And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. You know, but when we look at that scripture, God don't make mistakes, and, and God is not, uh, doesn't see, he's not a man that he should sin, that, that the scripture says. So when it talks about repented, and it repented the Lord, that means that he felt sorry. He felt sorry for us. You know, if you look at every creature in the, in the world, all of them give God glory. The bird flies is giving God glory. The ducks give God glory. The fish give God glory. And, and God, had the, God had that designed for a reason. Every animal is designed with specific instructions and a specific purpose that they have. We may not understand the purpose. I'm giving you an example like snakes. I do truly understand that snakes uh, um, take care and, and keep the rodent population down and things like that. But the funny thing is that there are some things that's in the Bible that tells me that man is what created the monsters. You know, you watch on the news day in and day out, and you see different animals turning vicious and attacking the humans or attacking the little girls and the little kids. That's not the way it was meant to be not the way it was meant to be. It wasn't supposed to be people have to be in fear of their lives of other people because they might kill them. But God said that man's heart was only evil continually. We have elected leaders in front of God. When God's supposed to be, as we're going to see today through Scripture, was supposed to be part of our design. But we, we, we got this impression, and I've heard teachings over and over the years that, that led me to believe that God owes us something, that God owes us. And if we do this, God is going to do this because God said he's going to do it. And we act like God owes us something. In Second Peter 1, Chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord, our Jesus our Lord, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. Oh, this is getting good already. I'm getting excited. It says that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. As we talked about before in some of the other broadcasts, lust is, is a sin of pride. It's a sin of dominance. So is all the other sins is rooted in pride. So, so we even went back farther uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were, were in Genesis chapter 1, and we asked a simple question. What was the fruit from the tree of knowledge? And through the scriptures we found out that the, the fruit that was, came from the tree of knowledge was pride. That was the fruit they ate. It wasn't an apple or a fig, uh, something that we think, but, but you can also eat with your ears. Pride. Now, now, a lot of people um, are, are not really going to care for this message too much. They're not going to care for it. They're not going to like it um, because many people haven't even studied enough to understand 
what where where this message is going. The message is the ministry of God. Um, the ministry of God owes us something, or the gospel of God owes us something. See that that goes in hand with the word of faith. See, a lot of people haven't studied enough to understand that the word of faith is not something that you can speak and make something cre- be created from nothing. Because the scripture was being read out of context. It was talking about God who caused those things that be not as though they are, as though they were. But it's talking about God. It's talking about him. But because we have this illusion and, 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 and of that we're God's, which is the only sin that can make a man think that he's above God, is exalting himself above the knowledge of him that have called us unto his glory and virtue. See, see in verse 4 of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceedingly great and precious promises. That means, past tense, these things that already been given. It's already been given. And it's talking about Christ. See, I want to start by saying, God showing us what is possible or what potential we have does not mean that God owes us anything. But how many times have you sat under someone or listened to someone and they're telling you about all these things that God is going to do because you say so? After studying the scriptures, that just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like me standing in front of the refrigerator and me saying, Give me an apple. And the refrigerator stands there and says, open the door, pretty much. Because if I stand in front of it, it's not going to yield me anything unless I open the door. I have to open the door. The Bible says Jesus is that door. So if we don't open the door, we don't have access to anything. But Life and godliness is something that has already been given to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness. See, through lack of understanding, a hunger for wealth, and a twisting of the word of God to fit the foolish hearts and minds of men, the truth has been changed into a lie because of the wickedness of that same heart. And when you end up listening to the scriptures about the truth, the truth becoming a lie is corrupted. It is corrupted because of what we desire. What we desire is what changes the truth into a lie. If you go to Romans chapter 1, it's going to be a lot of scripture, so please, if you would, just um, write them down, um, go back and, and, and look at it and see what it says. In Romans chapter 125, it says, Who changed the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever? Amen. Now, there's some things that I want you to understand even about this scripture that a lot of people may miss and may not understand about what this truth of God is. See, the truth of God is that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should have uh, uh, everlasting life. Jesus preached over and over again, and he taught over and over again about what it means 
to come to him as a child. See, throughout the years, we tell I actually just looked at it. We we have actually have um, five hundred and two messages that blessed over six hundred, seven hundred thousand people all over the world. Because one thing that you're going to get is the truth. You know, the the the, the godliness game theory or. The God owes me something theory is not scriptural. It's not based off of anything except for mere illusions. The illusions that we have are things that we believe about ourselves that may not be true. They may not be true at all. You know, Romans chapter 1, and it goes down and it talks about Witnessing it, but when it gets down to about verse 24, matter of fact, let's go back up some. Let's go back up. Let's back up to verse 20. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. This is good stuff. I'm getting excited because listen to what it's saying. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. But that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into the image like a corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creepy things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness, to the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies with themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. And worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, when we talk about God and we think about the sovereignty of God, we, that means that God is in control. That means God can do what he wants, when he wants, and the reason because he wants. Because even though people may not understand and see that God's word is true and, and, and it, it, it separates you. It separates you from those lies that you've been told all your life, and it creates in you this new creature that's walking according to the sovereignty of God or the kingdom of God or the will of God because it is God's will. Now, when you start to look at that, it even goes deep, and everything is connected. I'm telling you, when the scriptures talk about fornication and adultery, fornication means changing your God. Now, if that be the case, if fornication means changing your God, then this scripture will begin to start making sense. When you look at the scriptures, it gives us such a truth that we begin to start seeking God for who he is, sovereign, a supreme ruler. We begin to start seeking God because God says that through the imaginations of man that they started worshiping idols. 
They started worshiping idols. Now, if that's the case, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 5, I really want you to see this because the scriptures never contradict itself, and we can all agree on that, that the scriptures is what it is, and, and it always backs uh, the scriptures up with another scripture. Even when Jesus preached, he preached, and, and the, thing, the message that he had came from the Old Testament. But Ephesians chapter 5 says this, For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater. So covetousness means idolatry. Covetousness, idolatry. Covetousness, idolatry. Have any inheritance in the kingdom of uh, Christ and of God. Covetousness, idolatry. But when you begin to see other, oh, my God, this is good. I remember watching a show. There was a show. They used to come on about all the preachers and everything that comes on. And one of the guys said, uh, I love when people praise me. I love the applause. I love when people shout my name. I love that. It gets me going. And then another one said, well, if Jay-Z can have a Bentley, then I can have one, too. If they can be rich and have all this money and power, I can have it too. Is that not covetousness? Well, wait a minute. Just to be safe, <laughs> just to be, just to be sure. Let's look up what covetous means. Just to be extra careful to know that that what we're where we're looking at covetousness correctly which is idolatry. Idolatry, fornication. Fornication is not adultery. Fornication is, adultery is changing your partners. That's something that, that even Jesus said, you can't divorce your wife for, or, or a husband or something like that, not saying you're supposed to go do that, but, but he, he was saying that he, he was, they was trying to find something that he could be, be condemned with or, or that they can go, see, he said this, and Jesus said so, they were trying Jesus, so don't think that he just popped off and said something like this. What he said was that, that uh, um, the only way that you can divorce your spouse is for fornication. Now, fornication is not changing your partner. It's changing your God. Oh, you got to see this. Well, when you sit there and you worship another person, uh, whether they got a title or not, you're changing your God. When you put another man in front of God, you're changing your God. When that person means more to you and their will means more to you than God does, then you're changing your God. Then if you have a person that's sitting up there teaching you anything about you're supposed to have faith to make God move, then that's called the word of faith or the prosperity message, which is an idolatry because it's covetousness and it goes against God. Let's look at what covetous is. One eager to have more. Come on, come on, come on. One eager to have more, especially what belongs to others. Greedy of gain. Covetous. Defrauder. Eager for gain. Desiring more. 
Okay, now that's the definition of covetous, which is pleonikites, uh, um, which is in Greek and Hebrew, which means covetousness, which that's what that means. So when, when, when Paul says that covetousness is like idolatry, or covetous is idolatry, then what covetousness is doing is changing your God. So if you're looking at God as he owes you something, you're changing your God. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. See, because of that lack of understanding and that hunger for wealth and, and all of the different broken messages, the twisted scriptures, it has people believing that godliness is gain. And we know that that's not true because of this. First Timothy chapter 6 and 5. Nope, you know, nope, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Got to go back up some. Let's start at 1. Let's start at verse 1. First Timothy 6 and 1. Let as many servants that are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, and the same name of God as his doctrine be not blasphemed. As they have believing masters, let them not despise them. Because, now, now let me stop there with this scripture. See, people use this scripture to enslave people. This gave people belief that they had the authority to have slaves, not understanding what was going on at this time, not understanding what happened, because slaves then wasn't the kind of slaves like it was in Exodus, Think about this now. This is good stuff. If you go back to Exodus and you start understanding Exodus, when they were slaves, they were treated harshly. They were beaten, and it was different than being an indentured servant, where indentured servitude lasted seven years. Indentured servitude lasted seven years. It wasn't like slavery here in the United States. It wasn't like slavery in Haiti and in Africa. It was not like that type of slavery that was in Egypt, where people were treated harshly, they were whipped, they were beating, they were made mockeries of. So you have to understand that we take the scriptures to deny God his sovereignty, and then we just throw Jesus in the trash. But it says, anyway, it says, And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise, then consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus and the doctrine, which is the kingdom of God, Luke 4:43. I must preach, this gospel of the kingdom of God to other cities, that's why I was sent. But that's a different story. We, 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 we connected that dot already. We'll connect that again because it all fits in. But then it says, and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing. He's talking about this, this, this man that teaches otherwise. See, you don't just jump down, but watch this. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the doctrine which is according to godliness, which is the kingdom of God, God's will. It says, 
That man is proud, knowing nothing but dining about questions of strife, strifes of words. Whereof come envy, strife, raveling, evil summonings, pierce, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that godliness is gain. From such withdraw thyself. All right now. If the scripture is telling us that that man that's teaching otherwise to what the scriptures say, that that man is proud, it is that pride again, and he knows nothing. It says that he's destitute of the truth. If someone supposes that godliness is gain. But that's not what we get taught. See, we were taught that that's the things that we're supposed to have. That's the things that we're supposed to get. That's the things that we that, that God wants us to have. So that means that we can get this stuff. And, and because we serve God, we're supposed to be. There's even some, some, some pages out there. If, if you look in Facebook land, it, it's people that believe that if you serve God, you ought to be rich. Or because you serve God. You're supposed to be rich. I even went to a ministry before. It was part of the ministry where they were telling me that because I didn't have, my faith was not in order. And I know I'm not the only person that heard something like that. Because my faith was not in order was the reason why I didn't have. Because of my faith. But anyway, let's go down. First Timothy 6 and 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you prayed and didn't ask God for anything? Didn't ask him for anything. Didn't ask him for a healing. Didn't ask him to make your day nice. Didn't ask him to protect you. Didn't ask him for anything but just prayed and said, God, thank you. Even our worship services is turned in. If we praise God, as a matter of fact, it's a saying. When praises go up, blessings come down, which is not found anywhere in the Bible. It's not found anywhere in the Bible. Even our praise, thanking God, has turned into a slot machine. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 and 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we'll carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be content therewith. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Now, this is not saying that you cannot have money. But now watch this. 
here's how money changes things. And money doesn't change you. That's what they say I heard. Money doesn't change you. It changes the people around you. But then if you have money, you, you're, you're, people say that uh, they do all sorts of things, and, and because you do this, God is going to do that, and, and God doesn't owe us anything. After we just read that through scriptures. Then, but we, 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 the more money we have, the more we hold on to it. And I've heard people say this. They say, the reason why I tithe is because when I tithe, God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing. But then I need to tithe so I can tithe so I can have more money so I can be a blessing to other people. Now, that's something that most people say. Well, why do you want more money? So I can be a blessing to somebody else. But when they get more money or they get that promotion on the job, nobody else gets any more blessings except for the person that's ministering to them. It's kind of off balance there. But see, God says if you have this world's goods, and and we're going to pull that scripture up too. It says if you have this world's goods, that means you can um, give it to your brother so that they may see the love of God. And that's in 1 John chapter 3 and 17. See, these are the scriptures that I never heard before. It says, if anyone has material blessings and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? How can the love of God be in that person? It says, if you have this world's goods, See, we, 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 we pass people that are in need all the time. We pass them and we, we, we don't say anything. This is how we know what love is. This is what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. It says, if anyone has this world's good and sees his brother in need and withholds compassion. I ride through churches that that have um, that have millions of members or hundreds of thousands of members, but yet there's homelessness in their community. I, I, I don't get that. I, I don't understand that because if the church is, does what it's supposed to be, it takes care of the widow and the orphan, and although they'll always be poor among us, it, it's not talking about... Uh, um, materially poor. It's not talking about material poor. But let me keep going. Let me keep going. So, so now, if we serve God, and then this is this is the premise of some. If we serve God, we're supposed to be rich, and our life supposed to look rich because that's somewhere in the Bible. I never found it, but I'm just saying. So, so. If God is in our life, our lifestyle should be better than someone who doesn't have God in their life. And that's, that's not proven. That's a, a, a fallacy because there are plenty of rich, corrupt people that don't believe in God. You see what I'm saying? So, And then even when it goes to the scripture that it rains on the just and the unjust alike, I used to look at that scripture as being a negative thing until one day I was studying and the Holy Spirit says, why do you think that rain is a bad thing? So I started doing a little bit more and I found out that in that region, when it rains, it waters all the crops. 
So it rains on the just people's crops as well as the unjust people's crops. You know, let me tell you something interesting about that. And I want you to, to, to remember this because of the scripture that we said, if a brother lays down his life, then he truly, that's what the love of God is. But now watch this. If you have a seed, a seed that coming from a fruit or whatever plant, it's a seed. Let's take a peach seed, for example. A peach seed is very, very hard. Oh, my God, this is good stuff. I'm getting excited. A peach seed is very, very hard. Now, I tried to break one open before. I tried to bite one before. almost broke my teeth didn't try to bite that uh, um, peach. But anyway, I want you to see this. Um, the seed is so hard that it has to be consumed by dirt, by earth, which destroys the seed and creates new life. That's awesome. That seed is worthless unless it's destroyed. And when it's destroyed or consumed, new life comes. So when we're in darkness and living in darkness, and someone plants the seed of faith, it is consumed by us, destroyed by the flesh, and creates new life. Now, I don't mean destruction, meaning far as just tearing it up. I mean the fertile, the ground, the fertilizer, the, 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 the scriptures taking root. When something takes root, that means that one seed, that darkness is broken in your life, and then here comes this new tree shooting up from you because God, Jesus often referred to it as trees. He said you, you can tell a tree by the fruit that it bears. Now, now back to back to what we're talking about. We have changed the truth about God into a lie. But what grieved God most, and is stated in the Scripture, that man's thoughts of self and lack of faith has reduced him to a God, small g, that places limits on men by race, gender, title, or social standing. Where's that scripture? Genesis 6, 5, and 6. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and the thought of his heart was only con evil continually. And it repented God that he made man on the earth, and it grieved the man his heart. He saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination. We have people in position that believe that they're higher than people in their own congregation. And then the people in the congregation esteem that man so high that the man has created a congregation of idol worshipers or covetous people. But how can that be? People use the scripture, God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, as, as just like they do Matthew 6 and 33, and, and which they, they allude to it's okay to be covetous or to want gain. But how can that be if God is not a respecter of person? Acts 10, 34, and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, 
truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. So so how can that be if God is not a respecter of persons that he'll elevate someone to the position of a king? It has nothing to do with Saul and all that kind of stuff. So that he still didn't respect that. It was it was a plan. You got to see this. It, it was a plan. And once again, Saul messed that all up because of his heart. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, the, the 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 new church and the direction defiles the word of God, and it creates false boundaries and redefines God, godly living and godly behavior. See, most people don't see their life is filled with God unless it's filled with materials. That's why Matthew, we just talked about, 6 and 33 is so misunderstood. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When people look for the added unto you, they don't understand that, and it's a real gross misunderstanding when people think that if they search out and seek spiritual things, that it's a way for them to gain worldly things or material wealth. Because that contradicts the scriptures. And you can't say, well, it was different for them, it was different. No, 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 because that's not how scriptures work. Scriptures don't contradict itself, contradict itself. People may just not understand the scriptures. That's all that means. Doesn't mean that there's a contradiction. It means that they don't understand it. But even the Bible says, he that lacks wisdom, let him ask for it. But when was the last time we asked God for wisdom? When was the last time we asked God for wisdom? God, please allow your spirit to lead and guide me through these scriptures so that I may truly know you and, and, and understand the truth about your word. You know, I was thinking about work uh, not too long ago, and I realized how much time, or thus wasted time, work really was. A lot of people ain't going to like that or get that. Because if the system was based off of the church taking care of the church, or, and I'm not talking about you not doing anything because a man that won't work won't eat. A man that won't work won't eat, not can't work, won't work. But but I'm, I'm saying that to say this, that there are things that we can do to make money, to feed ourselves and feed our family. Because it seems as if the more money we make, the more money we spend, and the less we really have. You know, I remember we read that uh, uh, we read a a, a, a a quote. Can't remember who said the quote, but he said, "Man works." I, I wish I could find it. He said that man works to preserve until his health is bad, basically, and then his health is bad, he can't work. Something like that. But it was it was real good. It reminds me of this right here. So so many take the scripture, Matthew 6 and 33, to mean that if I concern myself with spiritual things, I'll gain the earthly things that I desire or I want. 
when God clearly said that God, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Just because God is able to do that, that doesn't mean that your needs or your wants become needs. I want a 70-inch television, but I don't need a 70-inch television. You see what I'm saying? I want an Expedition or whatever, or a Lincoln Navigator SUV, but I don't need one. I want a cell phone, but I don't need one. I want new clothes, but I don't need new clothes. I want lobster and shrimp and crab, but I don't need lobster, shrimp, and crab. You understand what I'm saying? See, what happens is we take our our wants and make them needs and believe that God is supposed to respond to our needs as wants. Or wants as needs. This is good stuff. See, we've learned to unlearn the sovereignty of God. We learn to unlearn it because I know, again, I can only tell you what I've been taught. I've been taught before that God can't move on the earth without us. But that just didn't make sense to me, being God being sovereign. Well, God has to get your permission in order to operate. Really? Then explain death to me. Explain Jesus. If God has to get our permission to operate, explain Jesus Christ. Because he sent Jesus Christ. The scripture says that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There are some people that don't want Jesus Christ. But yet Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God is in full operation. See, to further not understand the sovereignty, we believe that, that, that our faith makes God move. But the faith was given to us by him. So why would God give us something that would deactivate him, his rule, and his authority? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, yeah, he still has it, but yet he doesn't. Oh, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to say something to activate him. Now, I understand salvation, that there's something that you have to do in order to activate the salvation in your life, which gives you the promise of eternal life. I understand that clearly. But, but I, I don't understand the, the, the God is not allowed to operate on the earth without man. I, I don't get that. Or none of the things that happened would have happened. The Bible, even the Incidences in the Bible doesn't even support that. Because you also, and you need to understand this, that while we're looking at the Old Testament and the people and the things that happened in the Old Testament, we also need to understand that the Holy Spirit was not with them in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit fell and it left again. It fell and it left. It fell and it left. The only couple of people that the Spirit was with at birth was John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, it wasn't Jesus Christ. It was John the Baptist. 
Because remember the scripture says that the Holy Spirit fell on Christ. Not that he wasn't spirit-filled. Oh, this is good stuff. This is good. This is good. This is good. See, see, faith doesn't change God's mind. It changes our mind. Faith doesn't get God to move. It gets us to move. And God can operate with or without our permission. Further down in First Timothy, um, it says this, and then we're going to end. We're going to end with this, but we are definitely going to pick this back up because there is so much more that that this thing continues to to bring out. Like Romans one eighteen through twenty, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What are they without excuse? They have no position to be insecure. None whatsoever. See, see, John seventeen three, and this eternal life that may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ you have sent. This is where the knowledge comes to our defense. Oh, this is good stuff. This is the knowledge coming to our defense. Knowing God becomes important because uh, the intimate knowledge of him is the very thing that our carnal mind don't even want to achieve. Our fears, knowing him, draws back to avoid becoming dependent on him. Oh, this is great stuff. Romans chapter 8 and 7. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not the subject of of the law of God, nor can it be. It warns us that our very nature looks at God as the enemy. It is the spirit of self-centeredness. That wants us to achieve our own independence. But it is only through the Spirit of God, through Jesus Christ, can we truly have victory against atrocities that are happening inside the church today. See, see, when you read the scriptures, you have to understand that when someone became saved, they became part of the church. Remember the 5,000? When people were saved, they became part of the church. They wasn't part of the church until they were saved. Come on now, you got to see this. They wasn't part of the church until they were saved. But what happens now is we have a building calling it church full of sinners. 
because no one truly understands that they can be free from sin. They blame it on a sin nature. That's why I did it, because it's just natural. No, sin is a choice. You have a choice to do right or to do wrong. See, the wicked are making choices. Not faith or God's grace or the word of faith is guiding them. But God is judging them. First Corinthians chapter 5. See, we have came to the point where we no longer judge the body. We no longer judge the body. We, 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 the protection of the church has been lost because of covetousness and for gain. We no longer judge the actions of the body. The protected church was supposed to expand from the outside, not from the inside. And we use scriptures to do it. Now, the church is corrupted from the inside out. See, we say nothing, do nothing, or judge nothing. Why? Because we think that the actions of others inside the church is none of our business, except the gossip. The freedom and victory that we have in Christ, or, or some people don't want to listen to the message that's being preached about the kingdom of God, because they think that the kingdom of God is too judgmental. Um, 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 they, they think that, that, that we're not supposed to judge when, when there's homosexuality running rampant inside the body of Christ, when the pastors are marrying the same sex. I'm not talking about performing a ceremony. I'm talking about two females or two males that has a congregation when the Bible clearly says that we're going to read, if any man calls himself a brother or a sister, you better be judging him. So if you think that I'm being too judgmental um, about many of the churches across the nation and not judging the unsaved, I am. And when I say judging, I'm not being judgmental about the things that I don't like or twisting scripture or because I don't like it and it must be a sin because I don't like it or exalting myself over another person by using a title and a position to let them believe that I'm beneath them. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. See, the Bible says, if any man calls himself a brother, if you turn to 1 Corinthians, let's go to 1 Corinthians Chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It, 
Paul starts, and we're going to start at, um, let's start at verse, uh, let's start at verse, um, wow, this is good stuff. This is good. I, I got to, I got to go up a little bit. Let's, let's start, let, let's start, let's start at one. Let's start at one. Now, oh, this is good. This is good. Listen to this, listen to this clearly and carefully. First Corinthians five and one. I can hardly believe the report about sexual morality that's going on among you. Something that even the pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Are you so proud of yourselves that you should be mourning in sorrow and shame? And you should remove this man from your fellowship? Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in spirit, as though I were there. I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of Jesus, the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call the meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit, and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed, and he himself will be saved on the day of the Lord returns. See, it's not sending him out so that he should perish, and that's another scripture. It says not condemning him so that he should perish, so that he may feel the separation and return. And he will be saved on the day of the Lord returns. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that the sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough? You remember the, 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 the parable about the yeast that people misunderstood to? See, see, I've been telling people for a long time, there is, there's no way that, that every scripture about yeast is bad except for one. It doesn't work that way. Okay, doesn't it know that a little sin, and the other one says, don't a little sin leaven the whole lump? Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast which is what you really are. Oh, this is good. This is what you are. This type of teaching right here is revealing to you what you are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but the new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in, indulge in, 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 in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or who are greedy, or who cheat people, or who worship idols. If that was to happen, you would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. See, oh, oh, this is good. See, what we have done is reverse the scriptures. Instead of judging the people on the inside, we decided that we'll judge the people in a sin on the outside. 
That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to judge the sin on the inside. If any man is covetous or an idolater or a whoremonger or teaching you that godliness is gain, remove that yeast and preserve the new bread. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. I wasn't talking about the unbeliever. It says in verse 11, I meant that you're not supposed to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worship idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheat people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. But it certainly is your responsibility to judge those who are inside the church. God will judge those on the outside. But as the scriptures say, you must remove that person from among you. Now, for Paul to say this, it had to happen somewhere else. Not just right above there, but if you read Deuteronomy... Uh, chapter 17, verse 7, the scriptures say, The witnesses must throw first stones, and then all the people may join in. This way you'll purge the evil from among you. It is not saying throw stones, go take the person out back and throw some stones at you. It's a different time. But it's saying that the scriptures say to purge that self and that evil from among you. The Bible says if your right eye offends you, cut it off. To keep the whole body from perishing. These are scripture after scripture after scripture that's talking about who we are. This is not being judgmental. This is judging. See, we, we condemn people for what they wear and I know churches that said people couldn't wear pants and, and all kind of things like that, and it wasn't true because they were, again, taking the scripture out of context. But, but, but these things that people condemn people for is based on what they think is a sin and what's not a sin. A sin is anything that God condemns. That's a sin. Anything that God condemns is a sin. If God doesn't condemn it, then it's not a sin. Just because you don't like it, then guess what? That means you have a problem with control. Now, you don't want to do things that call your brother and sisters to stumble because that's counted as sin also. But because you don't like something or somebody or like the way they do things or don't like the way they preach or don't like the way they teach, but if they're teaching the truth, then who are you to sit that person down? Someone said before, I'm hard on leaders, I am. Because we have to understand what it takes to live a life of obedience, godliness, and faith. See, you can you can look at a lot of things, but there's certain things you cannot compromise or negotiate 
or be lukewarmed, lukewarmness about, or double-minded, or double-tongued. There are two guaranteed things in life for us as believers. Freedom in Jesus Christ and death. The funny part, death always comes before freedom in every case. Death comes before freedom. You die to yourself, you're free. You die to religious doctrine and dogma, you're free. Now, people are going to talk about you, but you're still free. Even naturally, when you die, you're free. You're not subjected to anything in the world anymore. Death always comes before freedom. Will you die to yourself today? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Phone lines are open. Does anyone have any questions or any comments? Anything that they'd like to say? Any questions or comments? I hope uh, I just want to say thank you. Uh-huh. And I just want to say uh, thank you, Mark, for continuing to, you know, be faithful, you know, with the calls, the texts, you know, just sharing the word. So I just want to, you know, say thank you, you know, for just being faithful. And I want to thank you too, my brother. Because I know what you're packing. But I want to, I want to thank everybody for tuning in, listening in. Um, it, it's a ministry that we have for a long time, and the more we continue to study, the more we we we, we fellowship together, the more we chop it up, we we find we find in a whole lot of stuff that that was otherwise not taught. Because the church that I grew up in, I, I was taught to be greedy and covetous and believe that God owed me something. Continue to study. And may God bless you all. I hope everybody have a, a great evening. Um, I'll continue to pray for you. And God bless you. Have a great day. Good night.
I'm sorry. 